Hello, and welcome to Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss. And this is Louis Victor. And today we're talking about something that's special to the whole world right now. Especially special to us, because it involves Jefe, Jose Andres, chef. Um, We're talking about World Central Kitchen. Uh, There's a quote on their website. It says, wherever there is a fight so that hungry people may eat, we will be there. It's a John Steinbeck quote. But basically, World Central Kitchen has done what, well, honestly, our government should do and the governments of other places. They've come to the rescue of people in disasters faster than pretty much anyone, faster than the American Red Cross sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here are some facts about World Central Kitchen. So right now in the Bahamas, they're serving up to 20,000 meals a day. You can follow Chef Jose Andres' Twitter feed for some awesome video updates. They've served 130,000 meals in Venezuela. Nearly 90% of families are living in poverty there. World Central Kitchen served more than 365,000 meals in Mozambique in five months. And they continue to serve 2,000 meals a day to local schools and an orphanage there. And since Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, World Central Kitchen served more than 3.7 million meals, Louis. It's crazy. Um, they've now transitioned their effort to focus on the long-term program there to address food insecurity on the island right now. So they're still in Puerto Rico. Uh, so today, we are talking with our friend, Mike Rolone. He's a sous chef at Bazaar Meat Las Vegas, and he's actually volunteered in Puerto Rico with World Central Kitchen. We'd like to get his point of view of what it's like, because I think there's so many people out there that would love to do something like this. Absolutely and um, would love to help and work with someone like Chef Jose Andres. And so we wanted to get his take on what it was like to be in Puerto Rico. Thanks for being here, Mike. Yeah, it's nice to be here. So what's interesting about it for you, even more interesting, is that you are actually from Puerto Rico. Your family lives there. So Mm -hmm. what was it like going back to help where your family was? It was actually a different experience. Usually when I fly down there to visit family, it's more like a, a fun trip. But when I went over there to volunteer, it was complete opposite. The waters were all black. It wasn't as blue. It was just, it was a different environment than what I would usually be used to. So it struck me a little bit weird. So tell us what a typical day is like volunteering for World Central Kitchen. Like how does it start? What's kind of in the middle and, and how does it end? Yeah. Well, the moment we landed, was the moment that we didn't know where to go. We were like, okay. So we had to find Wi-Fi. We had to find a connection. We had to find the area where the site is. So we knew one destination, which was Jose was in this area. And how do we get there was our mission. So we go to the airport and then all of us are on our phones looking for that one connection to get to Jose Andres because Jose is sporadic he's usually everywhere and you can't control yeah he's ubiquitous Mm -hmm. everywhere (laughs) totally so the moment we landed we got on our phones looked for it we found an uber or taxi driver and he took us straight to the coliseum which is basically like a, a stadium usually they'll do shows there or whatsoever and then we 
threw our luggages down and we just started volunteering. It was that simple. Yeah. Jose sure. was over there running around, um, not demanding, but more leading everybody. Right. Like, telling the guys we need to do better food. He was always tasting the food. He was always, like, in the middle of everything. Building sandwiches or in the kitchen, motivating the staff, making sure everybody was where it needed to be. What kind of hours are we talking here? Um... Around 15, 15 hours or even a little bit more. You basically... A normal day when we did get a little settled in and get into the flow, we will wake up at 5.30, be at the Coliseum by at least 6, and then we won't leave till 7 or 8 at times. That would be like the latest. So how did you keep the stamina up? It was just motivating. Mm -hmm. You go there, you just want to cook good food for people who really need it. It's just a different type of motivation from cooking in the kitchen. You cook in the kitchen, you're cooking for people who are paying good money for an experience. But this time, you're cooking for people who need it. So it's more of love of cooking than it is, like, I guess, nurture of it or the talent of it. Mm-hmm. So cooking down there was more stressful in a sense, as uh, you have no air conditioning, you have no hoods, you have nothing. So everything you're cooking there, you feel the heat, you feel everything. We're, we're drenched in sweat. The only lights we have were flashlights, and this is all <laughs> oh in gosh. the basement. Right. So it was, it was a different experience, a different cooking environment, and every day was a different thing. You didn't know what you're going to cook because everything was just coming in pallets. What I mean, pallets, like... 20s and thousands of oranges or 20,000s of canned mashed potatoes and you just like what are we doing with this like how am I going to get these volunteers to organize this kitchen how am I going to get these volunteers to prep everything that we need to feed people so it was more of like an assembly line organizing those people and getting the food out I would guess in situations like that you know you're kind of forced to be better Mm -hmm. so coming out of that experience do you feel like that you actually became a better cook a better manager Coming out of that experience actually made me appreciate people in a sense because they went there and they didn't want to do anything. They just wanted to cook. They wanted to do anything they can to help out in any any cause. And you don't see that very often. It's sad to say, like, I know the hurricane hit, but it actually brought a brighter nurture in Puerto Rico and more of, like, a humbleness. And then when you walked there and worked with them, it was more... Um, it was more motivating in a sense of that you can actually like feel the energy and feel the the people wanting to do more. So it was sad, but at the same time, it was motivating. So that's how we pushed on for it every single day. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine with volunteers, you know, you probably have people at all levels of cooking ability. Mm-hmm. What was that like having to, you know, maybe instruct somebody that maybe has never cooked before because I know that Jose was showing people you know in the Bahamas that were just there on their vacation they mm-hmm. wanted to help out all the way to people that are sous chefs and executive chefs it's mm-hmm. such a huge you know array of talent yes. and skill, skill. Set, <laughs> yeah so how, how do you kind of deal with that do you just kind of give like you know tests accordingly I guess yeah well it was m- not more of a test they'll come to us and then they'll tell us they were a butcher or they cooked at this one restaurant or they helped out doing this and then from there on we're able to delegate those certain tasks to those people so an example if you will go to the kitchen and you'd be like oh i was a sous chef here i was like okay i know you have management skills right. i know you can cook so i need you to do this and lead these people in doing this task and then we need this done 
and then the task would would it be enough to do like an eight hours worth of cutting meat for an example right Mm -hmm. and then the next group will come in and then it'll continue on like that so i love how you describe um how chef jose was very serious about tasting Mm -hmm. and making great food because you know people in situations like that you know if you're just at some surviving shelter you know it's like you're just going to give whatever, you know, a, a lot of organizations would do that. Not to be mean or anything, but just because they're, that's what they know how to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I just love, it shows so much respect. The right? typical donation would be canned goods. Right. And, you know, cereals a, maybe. A little plastic bag, a first aid kit. But Jose took it to another level by providing actual hot food, which actually just not, it doesn't just nourish, it warms the soul. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it really strengthens people when, when they have a hot meal per day they're not like digging out of like a little can mm-hmm. you so. guys were making paellas yeah and I mean some of what are some of the other things that you guys cooked well every day we'll do different things of course the traditional would be paellas because it was fast quantity and we were able to get it out in a timely manner but downstairs in the kitchen we'll do more of a protein and vegetables and starches and we'll try to keep that balance on something easy but fulfilling for the person so when they eat it they're good for the day or good for the time period what was it like seeing the people i mean i would guess for you it 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 takes it a step further because these are also your people Mm -hmm. so seeing people nourished and and maybe happier that day at least Mm -hmm. because of what you're doing because of what the people next to you are doing Mm -hmm. what was that like for you it was it was nice to be home in a sense uh it was nice to see um, people from my culture getting together, unifying, and doing it for a cause. Because Puerto Rico, we have a huge majority of people that are um, elderly. So they live in the mountains, they live everywhere. And then we have a family environment, a very strong family environment, sensing, like, meaning that we grow up there from little all the way to your 30s or 40s, and you have your mom, your dad, and your grandma, and everything like that there at the house so seeing the people there and they have that emotion that drive within themselves to continue on and then cooking so how did you i mean we know that you work for jose andres and you did back then obviously too so how did you get to the point where you became involved with this being able to do this well i was working one day and chef called me and he asked me if i wanted to volunteer to go to puerto rico and i was like hell yes like I would love to that's awesome no question it's not even a question like I would love to go home and see my family and do all these amazing things so uh, I was able also to gather gather a lot of things like flashlights batteries you know sometimes water and put it in a bag in the luggage and I was able to take it to my family who needed it because over there you couldn't find any of that water even cash like there was lines out the ATM that None of the machines were working because they couldn't get connection from here or there. Or even gasoline, there would be lines for almost a whole day just for you to get a gas, like a tank of gas. And they'll limit that per person. So it was it was pretty hectic and it was nice, nice as a feeling to be able to see my family and help them and, you know, even cook for them. Because even when I was there, my mom actually volunteered. Instead of cooking, she was actually down there, like, washing the dishes or yeah. helping out. But she just wanted to be there just to be with me. 
So it was. That's it, awesome. It was a good feeling just to have that connection. So you know, I, I have a question. Like, how is it like to be around Jose? And do you have like any personal stories, personal accounts of like how far he went to go the extra mile for well, Puerto Rico? Being around him is more of a. It's a great energy. It's something completely different because people misunderstand, I guess, motivation and drive for aggressiveness. So some people would look at him and be like, whoa, like, what's going on? Like, this guy is too intense. But once you work with him and you see his goals and you see what he wants to accomplish, you get more motivated and you don't drive away. You actually drive a little bit more forward towards that. Yeah, I can't, I mean, just being, you know, in Bazaar in a kitchen with him, the energy's higher, right. you know, when he's here. So, mm. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like in a situation like that where there's a true disaster, you mm. know, because we feel like we're in a disaster sometimes in the restaurant, yeah, well, you know, like in any restaurant, you're like, oh my God, it's a hot mess. Ah. Right. But this is an actual disaster. Mm -hmm. And I mean, did, I'm guessing you felt proud to be a part of that, proud to be with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You told me about this story about chicken and getting in a military truck. You still oh, remember that? Yeah, I remember that story. Okay. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I heard it from somebody else who told me about it, but they told me that Jose was in the military truck because when we had to go to different locations, so let's break this down. Let's go back a little bit. So when we were in Puerto Rico, they established different sites, and these sites were actual schools in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And then those were the sites that we went to and then we made sure that they were cooking cooking food and we were supporting them with what they needed to cook the food for the people around them. So to get to from point A to point B, we were escorted by the National Guard or anybody else just for our safety or anybody else. So Jose was getting escorted from one point to the other. And he was in, just chilling in the back of the car and he saw these chickens and he was just like, stop the car, I wanna buy it. So he buys all the chickens there. <laughs> Takes it and the and the guys in the National Guard they're like uh like these guys are just big buff dudes with guns and everything like heavily that. Just, armed just have like just there and they're just there like all right holding chicken with Jose and then they're <laughs> ready to go in the truck and then drive off to the location where they want to feed people right so he did all that just to give out more to give out fresh food to the people right so it actually helps out in two ways it feeds people but it also helps out that business that needed you know to sell right. the chicken so it was, it was pretty cool. So they were regenerating in multiple ways, yeah. you know, like feeding, feeding Puerto Rico with their presence. In there. Yeah. I mean, that's typical yeah. of World Central Kitchen and Chef Jose. It's amazing. Because He's a genius. That's what they've done since the beginning is on multi levels, help people, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, what would you say was the hardest part? The hardest part? Yeah. Oof. Those conditions. That was the hardest part being in that kitchen and just sweating all day being in that heat and then and then just the most stressful part is the fact that you have to feed these people let's let's get visceral i mean how did it smell like after a disaster i mean how did it know? smell yeah how did it smell like i guess he's just feel like, she's asking you know, like hot. the atmosphere yeah. you know just describe kind of the setting like the smell the sights the yeah. The, the you know it's hard to imagine. Are the roads clean? You know, yeah. so we're we're gonna paint a picture. Yeah, for our, you paint a picture for yeah, us. For us. So imagine you're at home, relax, right? You have no electricity. You have no water. You have nothing. 
all you hear is nothingness in, in a sense. Crickets. So, and then you want to get from here to a gas station, but all you see is trees on the floor. Sometimes there's water in your way. Sometimes there's debris and you don't know if it's safe because you don't know if there's any power cables on the floor that can electrocute you. You don't know anything. So it's a risk of going from one point to the other, if that makes sense. Right. But it's pretty lonely if you don't have anybody else with you because it's, how do I explain it? It's just... Desolate? Yeah, you can say desolate or just a different environment in a sense of uh, you really don't have anybody. That's why World Central Kitchen was such a relief for everybody because they felt like they had that connection with them to help out where there was really no way to help out anybody. Right. And then in rewards terms, um, you probably dished out a meal, a hot meal to, you know, multiple people, but... Just name me one that stood out in your memory. Like maybe a little girl that thanked you a certain way. Uh, um, what I can say is every day was a different day in a sense that people around the island will come visit us. So one day we'll have all these people coming and singing just for our blessings to make sure that we're cooking good food, that we're, we're motivated, that we keep on continuing what we're doing. Um, the next day, people will come in, play instruments, go downstairs and play all day long for us and then make sure that we're motivated and everything like that. So even with that, gives out motivation towards us to cook more and do more for the people, which I'm sure that's exactly what's happening in the Bahamas because after the hurricane that hit, you know, he's not going to stop Jose. So all of that's just going to continue. Yeah, that's just a perfect picture to me. It's a wonderful cycle of giving and receiving and it just will bring me to tears. Yeah, it's one of those things where you see, you know, people say it, it makes you feel good about mankind, mm -hmm. good about humans, because there's so many things right now, especially like politically or disaster-wise, to feel negative about, and it's nice to feel positive, and mm -hmm. that there are people that, no matter what the circumstance or no matter how bad it gets, that right. there's good. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm guessing that's how you felt. You felt like, wow, this is this is worth it being here because this is what they're getting out of it. I can see like what I'm doing is making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. 100% it was like that. Um, so you said you you got to be with your mom mm -hmm. for part of it. Mm -hmm. And how did your family feel about you being there for this? I can imagine like it would be a really big deal to them. It was, they were stressed out because going through the tragedy of the hurricane and everything like that. And then we had no connection. I had no connections with them for four to five days before I was sent out over there. But luckily, the day that Chef did call me to go volunteer, I was able to contact them to let them know that I was coming to help them out. So they were crying, they were hysterical. But the <laughs> moment the moment that I did see them was, was it was amazing. It was happy, it was I was happy like to see them. They were alive, they were safe, you know, everything was good. The only thing that was going with me was that my grandpa was, had bed sores. So my grandpa was is half paralyzed. He had a stroke. And uh, when I went to go visit him, he was bleeding from his back all the way to his bottom. Oh, my. And oh. he was having all these things. And my aunt was actually, my aunt and my mom were doing their best to get water, food, and, and everything else for them. So it was nice to see them, but also sad because, 
because you know I saw them in the state that they were in. But, but I imagine that they were so thankful, though. Yeah, they were super happy because my mom will come over. I'll give give her a plate of food and I'll give her a little bit extra more so she could give it to my <laughs> grandma, my yeah. and everybody else in the neighborhood. And if she needed, I'll help her out with water or anything like that that we had there. Right. So despite so. the hard conditions, would you say that you would volunteer again? Yeah, in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you kind of, I would guess that you think about this time in your life every single time you see Jose in a new place? Because mm-hmm. I would think like that. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I see Jose within the Bahamas. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I was watching news from my hotel room in Irvine, and I saw Jose, and I'm like, oh, he's boss. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's in the middle of the storm. He's, like, waiting for the storm to hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, who does that? Jose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, seriously, who does that? Like, he's probably CNN's correspondent. Yeah. People people actually think that's crazy. Yeah. Like, why would he go rushing towards the tragedy? Like, why would he go... That, he he knows already that he has to be there and establish what he needs to establish to get things going and moving. He's that, uh, not motivation, but more of the drive. The force. Like, because it's easy for somebody to, you know, for us, we're in the kitchen all day, it's easy for us to go in and start cooking a meal for somebody. But it's not easy for us to take that step back and teach somebody how to cook and how to do it for themselves. That was one of the biggest things that we had to do because we knew our time there was short. So our goal was to teach them how to take care of themselves when we leave. So that for me is like the most biggest thing to do because it's not what you do, but it's the memory you leave behind and how they'll continue with that. And so in talking to your family now, because I know that World Central Kitchen is still there, they're still working on how to address the longer-term problem of food insecurity there. And obviously, it's not going to be perfect 100% overnight or over months or even maybe years. So how are you, how is your family doing now? How are the people doing now from what you hear in speaking with your family? Well, right now, the people are, you know, little by little, everything is getting back to the way it should it's uh, difficult because in Puerto Rico, there's a lot of mountains. You could think of like Hawaii or any, any, any place or even like small Pretty island tropical. areas. Exactly. So you know it's going to take time and patience for everything to get electricity back, you know, Wi-Fi or, you know, water, even water running up there. So after the two, well, after Maria hit, it's been two years since then. It's, it's been good. It's been getting good. Good, good, good. good. Yeah. Um, I guess what would you say was the best part of your experience on the positive note? Everything. Yeah. Well, the best part is that I get to see my family and I could just be with them and then make sure that they were okay, to be honest. And then on the second note is cooking for everybody because being in that kitchen, it was, it was harsh, but it was, it was fun in a sense that uh, I was able to be who I needed to be to get the job done. I'm proud to cook for Jose on like a, you know a U.S. level at one yeah. of his restaurants, but I can only imagine Michael's pride cooking with him in for a situation that. like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, it's just it's just a different environment. I could just imagine what the people in Bahamas are going through because they have to. You really have to 
dig deep inside yourself and figure out how you're going to get these things done. Sometimes the solution's not there and you just have to figure out the best possibility. Yeah, it's like the TV show Survivor. Right. So how can outside people actually help World Central Kitchen? Well, they can go to the website at wck.org. Um, you can donate there. Like they always say, every bit counts. I mean, it could be a dollar, it could be a thousand dollars, it could be a million dollars. You know, whatever you can do helps. Um, I know that whenever these things happen, they hashtag Chefs for Bahamas or wherever they're at, and I believe that they can just show up and help, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we get long lines of people just wanting to volunteer. So don't be scared to volunteer. Just go and go and do it. And especially if you're a chef, you know mm-hmm. these disasters happen, and, and World Central Kitchen's always at them. You know whether it's in California or as far as you know Venezuela or anywhere. And you know what they need more than anything besides obviously money, it would be people who are skilled. Because mm-hmm. like you said, you know if you have a sous chef or you have an executive chef or a chef mm-hmm. de cuisine, you know that you can just put them in charge of a big group of people, they could be the most help there. I know Ming size with him today um, in the Bahamas. Right. So. As well as um, uh, our executives from other uh, restaurants in his... Chin- in his um, yeah. In Think Food Group. Yeah. yeah. Think Food Group. Yeah, there you go. All right. So we are going to switch gears. Lovely. And we're going to have a little bit of fun. Not that this wasn't fun. It's called On the Fly. Mm-hmm. And it's 60 seconds yeah. of rapid fire questions. Get ready, Mike. That we're going to ask Mike Rallone. The world's going to get to know you now. <laughs> and we're going to start right now. I'm nervous. On the fly oh, no. with Michael Rallone. What did you eat last night? What did I eat last night? Uh, water. <laughs> what? What's always at home in your fridge? What's always oatmeal for the dogs? Cat or dog person? Yeah. He's gonna I know that. the answer to this. Yeah. <laughs> what? Cat or dog person? Oh, 100% dog. Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> Best food city. Best food city? Well, uh, Singapore, I'll say. Ooh, good one. Hobby outside the kitchen. Hobby outside the kitchen? Mm, drawing. Michael's a very talented artist. He I've been asking much him is. Yeah, to procrastinate <laughs> on it a lot, though. Okay. <laughs> what's, your, what's a guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure? Sour patches. Favorite local Las Vegas restaurant besides Bazaar right now? My favorite local, <laughs> Mr. Sandwich. Okay. Believe it or not. It's <laughs> I got to It's on the university. It's on Maryland. It's my go-to spot when I just have $5 in my pocket to get a bombie and a coffee, so I'm good. <laughs> Look at that. Best tool in the kitchen. Hmm? Best tool in the kitchen. Best tool in the kitchen? My tweezers. Okay. Hey, right. ask one more, because okay. I really want to ask him, uh, what would your death row meal be? Your what? last supper. My last supper? If you had a choice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, mom, anything my mom cooks, but that one dish that my mom cooks is um, arroz con salchicha. It's basically rice with sausage. Oh my goodness. And, yeah. You should have <laughs> food memories. Latinos always have like an arroz con something. Yeah. So like mine is arroz gordo. Mm-hmm. And right. in Portuguese culture, that's basically fat rice, yeah. which means that whatever's left in our fridge gets put on top of rice. Right. So that's usually like pork chop, sausages, mm-hmm. chicken, hard-boiled eggs, yeah. <laughs> olives. It's like Just throw it all everything, in a pot like fat rice, arroz gordo, arroz con pollo, obviously. A lot of Mexicans, like that's their thing. It's Everything's with rice. Yeah, well, as Filipinos, we have arroz caldo, which is basically a congee with chicken, 
You know, you throw everything in the pot. So. Well, Filipinos are basically like the Latin Asians, right? That's true. Latation, like me. Yeah. Latations. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Michael Rallone. Yeah, it was a pleasure, guys. And, of course, you can follow World Central Kitchen and Chef Jose on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can get the latest information on all the amazing work that he and World Central Kitchen are doing. And as we talked about earlier, you can help and you can donate at worldcentralkitchen.org. That's W-C-K.org. Louis, how can they reach us? You can get us Two Sharp Chefs on our Instagram page at Two Sharp Chefs, on Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs in the Microphone, and on our email address at Two Sharp Chefs at gmail.com. For Louie and Mike, we are signing out.